Hello everyone, this is Walking the World with Zero, and today I'm joined by the infamous Tristan. How are you doing today? Fantastic, thank you very much. Now, a big uh, reason I wanted to get you on uh, the um, podcast is because I know you're involved in a lot of like different groups and like a lot of different uh, organizations, and I just find that awesome. And, like your skill base, uh, like how you play piano, how you're part of the robotics club, I just think that's awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, you know, growing up, how did you kind of like figure out what hobbies and like activities you wanted to do as like a person? So I think that goes a lot into just where my family has also come mm-hmm. from. We have a, I have a very STEM focused family. Gotcha. Um, I, both my parents and grandparents, they were in the military. Mm-hmm. They've done lots of work with uh, um, like satellites, with space. And then my uncle, he's doing a tele- telemedicine company, MIT graduate. So the, all these sorts of different things, they were very... Um, very, they wanted to impress upon me the importance mm. of uh, science, technology, engineering, mathematics gotcha. from an early age, and I just took that and ran with it. Mm. I always, always loved reading high-level texts. When I was like fifth grade, I tried to build myself an oscilloscope. Like I just Dang. went through and I devoured absolutely everything I did. I found my love for learning. learning. It's not necessarily talking about what I would be good at; is what I would be interested in. Mm. And I knew if I put enough work in, then I would become proficient at it. So I took that upon myself and tried my best to develop no, my no. skills. Yeah, yeah. Develop my skills and make sure that I am um, doing the best I can in everything that I do. I think that's awesome. And finding that at a young age, what age were you learning? Like, oh, like I kind of find that in myself. Like learning as a person is like an important skill for me. I think it came for me a lot earlier than for most people. Um, my... I really found a passion for science, like really in second grade, and that's okay. when I I taught myself to program right there, and it just went skyrocketed from skyrocket. What's your favorite subject? I would say mathematics. Mathematics. Um, okay. It's really the foundation of everything in reality. If you can you can boil down absolutely any interaction, yeah, in the, the physical plane to math equations. I think that's just a, such a beautiful way that we can describe reality. Do you have a lot of friends always asking you for help and stuff? Because you seem like you know what you're talking about. Yes, I do. I do. Uh, I do a lot of volunteer tutoring services. Gotcha. Recently, I've been um, starting to do a name your price sort of situation. Mm. I've done. I've tutored since sixth grade. Wow! Uh, like I, I knew a lot of math earlier on, mm. and now like with my two college degrees and stuff, like I do a lot of work outside. Mm-hmm. of just like public high school people come to me for lots of different types of help just in like industry mm-hmm. i'm a consultant for some um oh, wow. stuff. so i have a lot of uh, experience that's awesome and having to learn those social skills as a, as a young person like what did you kind of have to teach yourself so that's actually a, a great point so public speaking mm-hmm. is a vital skill to mm-hmm. really anyone who wants to get involved with business or like just advancing themselves past like wage work okay um, my father, he was a speechwriter for a little bit, and he impressed for me, like, starting in third grade, like, this is exactly how you need to communicate with people. Mm. And I wanted to make sure that I could articulate myself to other people, especially those who are, like, like adults and other people that I could, I wanted to take me seriously. Yeah. So I grinded vocabulary. I tried to my best to make sure that I read higher level literature so I can just mm. absorb that into my daily speech patterns. Compared to an average person at that age, like, did you know that you were just much ahead of, like, other people in, like, your competition, just, like, learning-wise? Yeah, I did, and I found it really sad because I really wanted other people mm-hmm. to have these same passions and interests I did in elementary school, and mm-hmm. it just wasn't there. 
and mm-hmm. I felt like um, I really like I had a lot of problems socially in elementary school because I just didn't connect with my peer group, mm. and I think it, I, I figured it out by middle school how to really interact with other people, people yeah. but. In elementary school, it was, it was really sad for me because I just wanted somebody else to talk to. I wanted somebody else to work with, like and like a like another best like brain like another brain kind of in that in that way. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, like you, actually, there's a saying that goes into this. Uh, my my uncle's always said, "You want to be the average of your five closest friends." Okay, yeah, so like you that. want some people who are smarter than you. You want mm-hmm. somebody who's exactly the same smart intelligence as you, so that you have the opportunity to learn. Gotcha. But you also want to help two other people, two or three other people. Uh-huh. Who aren't may might not be as knowledgeable as you are, and you can actually help them. Like an influence, exactly. Got right, you. Yeah. And uh, what is the so a lot of people there's like there's two different mindsets when it might come to this. You know, one my like working alone, building themselves as a person, and two might need some other per- person or a group of friends. You know, just to like influence or build themselves up. What do you what do you prefer as a person, or have you like kind of found for yourself? I think that the um, this is kind of a non-answer, unfortunately, but I think finding right. a balance of both. Mm. is extremely important because there are always, always self-care is super important, making sure that you know what you're doing, you know what you're capable of and that you're putting in the work that you need to do. That's always, always super, super important. Important, But remember that like all of our, like all of our meaning and our ability to contribute to society depends on how we interact with other people. Okay. So you have to have some amount of service aspect to your life to make sure that other people around you are benefiting mm. from being around you got you got you and uh at, at that like young age uh you said you have like two college degrees right well, what are those currently in i have a um a associates in general mathematics and associates in physics now when, when you when, have you like going around college other college kids and stuff and like if, you know them learning about what you do as a person are you were you able to influence some college kids or like just kids older than you in general i would say that there was a it's hard for a lot of college students to get over that original shock factor because mm. when you have a seventh grader walking into a university with a bunch of 20 year olds, like they, they don't really know what to think of you. Mm-hmm. And they, I tried, like, I remember I, I was a big on advanced communication. I wanted to make sure that people around me mm-hmm. understood what I could do. Got you. And I think that I would hope to think that the people that I was around were inspired by what I could do yeah. and really had a different perspective because a lot of the people there, um, like when you're community college, you have usually, I'm not saying that this is not like, I don't mean to be offensive, but it's like, you have a lower income mm. average in community yeah. college. And so people don't usually have the same opportunities. Mm. So when you have somebody coming in with this, with that perspective, yeah. it definitely can be helpful. Oh, that makes, that totally makes sense. And, uh, I like, I just like, I find the fact so interesting, like that you were able to like just influence so many different college kids and like just shock, you know, the wow factor, like you told me, I think that's awesome. Um, it's definitely a skill to have and just like the the being like the light bulb in the room. So I think that's really cool. Um, okay, thank you. So what skill or trait did you like first besides like the, the social or like the uh, just learning wise? What skill or trait like a uh, hobby or activity wise did you find in yourself that you were like, oh, I'm really good at this. Like, let me pursue this as maybe uh, something I want to do in the future. I think that there, it's twofold. I have, I mean, I have a lot of interests. I have a lot of different things I would love to explore. Mm-hmm. But it comes back to both problem solving mm. and STEM-based problem solving. So that's engineering, I'd say. Okay. And music. Got you. So I've always had a very strong passion for music. I've always loved piano. I've always loved listening 
and breaking down pieces. sounds and pieces and everything. And I love creating with that. Like music provides you an opportunity to communicate so many more emotions in a much more intimate way than language can really provide. Yeah, it can. And I really wanted to get myself advanced enough to a point where I could actually participate in that emotional communication. Got you. And then for engineering, I've always, I have a drive to help people. I just want to contribute to society in the best way I possibly can Mm -hmm. and really be, be a critical point in assisting the world because there's a lot of lot of problems gotcha. in society as a whole mm-hmm. that can be really i feel like that i can contribute to yeah with the perspectives that i have i love how you're going with that mindset into that engineering space and just trying to change the world and that's lovely and um i want to know what are your opinions on like the future and what it holds for like you know there's a lot of manual jobs that are going out of place now because we have technology just changing over what, what do you think that the future is going to look like for that so as far as uh, um, manual jobs, automation is going to become absolutely massive here in the near future. Gotcha. And it's already become very, very important. And yeah. the uh, white collar, not the white collar, the blue collar workforce is is definitely at risk. Mm. There are some jobs that definitely can't be automated, mm-hmm. um, like like stenographers and um, let me think some some levels of like the automotive mechanics. Things like that. So tech-based okay. trades are definitely not going away. Gotcha. Where you go to Chick-fil-A and like customer service work, that's definitely going to be automated. Okay. And that's going to be putting a lot of people out of jobs, which is really yeah. unfortunate, which is why I think that the world as a whole needs to focus much more on educating. Okay. Getting people to the point where they can still contribute to society mm-hmm. in a way that's not going to be overtaken by machinery. Okay, got you. And we, I think the American education system has been a significant failure in that aspect. I agree with that, yeah. Especially when you get into lower income areas, mm-hmm. the, just the culture that exists is not conducive to producing lots of people who can make an impact. Mm. And that's a fault of the system and not the people. Okay, okay. I, 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 see, I see where you're coming from here, and I, th- I think that's a great point to make. Um. Now, when you talk about, like, you know, uh, jobs in the future, what, what do you see, like, possibly like, people uh, working on in the future? Like, you know, like, the crypto market's really been rising and, like, different, like, uh, NFT groups have been, like, hiring people to help their company and, like, program their things. Do you think programming is going to be a big thing? Oh, absolutely. So computer science is right now, in, in the immediate future, the most versatile job market there is. Mm. If you get a, if you know how to code in Python as a high schooler, Python, okay. $75,000 off the bat. No high school diploma. You can come in at 16 years old and then get hired with 75K easily. Mm. If you have a, a general comp side degree, that's a 6K, a six-figure income right out of a college. And how long does that skill usually take to like learn? Let's say as just like learning, starting off with programming, you have to learn the basic like Java and all that. You know, how, how long does that point to get to Python take? I would say that you can really learn effectively any programming language in six months. And it just depends on how dedicated are you to what you want to do. How easily can you work around problem solving and how can you learn to intuit? Mm. So that's the that's the big thing because anybody can learn a language. Yeah. There is not a single person that it doesn't have the capability of learning syntax. Just like you can see every single person speaks a language. Mm. The same thing works for programming. Okay. What makes a programmer really effective though is how can you problem solve? How can mm. you use what you know? How can you use these terms and stuff 
to make something intelligible out of it yeah and i think that's where creativity also comes into place because you have to be you know let's say you're you're programming a website and you have to like do all the pop-up buttons and like all that stuff you, you have to be like oriented and know like oh like i i know based off my experience of what i've seen like this is what i want from my website this is how i want to make it like touchy and clean minimalistic and all that yes exactly and i think that's uh, goes into back to like there there is definitely a marriage between arts and sciences mm. and you cannot have one without the other if you want to be an effective programmer you have to be able to think creatively mm. and to think creatively you have to have some sort of humanities background same for kind of music as well you know in order to produce you have to have that like experience of like just oh like i i'm familiar with these beats and like i've heard this before so like so it's it's not a language of me i'm not really explaining it, but it's like in the in the heart of like the creativity and all that yeah i mean i would absolutely say that music is language and all the like you the way that you speak with words is just different sounds, different combinations of different rhythms all communicate different sets of emotions. I like that. Um, but now growing up, you know, uh, you know how you're talking about like uh, music and like emotion and how it like can really control and like show that. Um, what did you what, what like genres did you listen to? Uh, you know, growing up and like working and like just motivating yourself. Um, I mean, I. Probably different than a lot of a lot of people. I really loved orchestral pieces. Okay, I always, always, always loved just like the complexity in in classical composition. Got you. And that's that. I feel like actually there's something to be said for the way that it helps with younger children, mm. kids who listen to classical music. They have a different way of listening and breaking down sounds just because that's what they're used to hearing. Yeah, and dividing out different voicing and stuff. I think it's very important for just intellectual development early on. Mm. But for me personally, it's just that natural sounds that come out with the organic instruments Mm -hmm. that communicates a passion that I haven't really been able to find in electronic music production. Now I know that I don't Mm. say this to be um, like derogatory to electric. I know EDM is huge. I've done a lot of, I've done not a lot, but some EDM on my own. I think it's a lot of really, really cool stuff that you can do with it. Yeah. Lots of different capabilities unlocked, but personally for me, I just find more connection with, actual instruments yeah got you do you think you have to be like uh not not like saying this to everyone but do you have to be like kind of a party person or like in a way like you know being able to like you know like take that music and actually like go celebrate to it do you have to be like one of those people to like kind of do edm you feel do you feel no actually i would say that um it doesn't if you really want to get your music out there the most important thing for you to be able to do is to advertise Mm. and that can come in absolutely any form that you want gotcha um a very easy way to do that is right you go to parties you you already become a dj you sell off your beats and you try to get other people involved that's one way to do it mm-hmm. but there are plenty of other artists out there who have just published their stuff on soundcloud and they went viral they got on spotify they got a yeah. contract all these different moments of serendipity help contribute to an artist's success and it doesn't definitely does not have to come from somebody who wants to go to parties or stuff like that got you okay i I like that thought you made about advertising and just like how anyone can really do this and just you have to just know the game itself and i think that's awesome um now making all these uh like you know pieces of music and like trying out different genres uh what about classical music did you like really like find in yourself that it's like oh like i'm I'm really good at this and like what made you like want to start performing it for like other people and stuff so I would say that just the, the skill development that goes into piano mm-hmm. for me is very rewarding. I've always mm-hmm. enjoyed finding a difficult piece. Mm. And then like the 
the amount of classical literature that exists for mm-hmm. piano is simply immense. Mm. And being able to work through that massive, um, I guess, lexicon for gotcha. music, uh, I, I've always wanted to just figure out how many different pieces can I play. Mm. And working through that, that's what really motivated me. Like, okay, I really like the way this, this sounds. Mm-hmm. Let me learn it. Let me, gotcha. and there's all the, that skill development that goes into learning a new piece, learning new techniques, learning different ways to, like there's a thousand different ways you can press a single note yeah. on the piano mm-hmm. and figuring out how to work all that together is very rewarding for me. Mm, I, I could definitely see how, but just like, you know, finding that new sound that you've never played before, like just, I don't know, creating like that hard piece that you finally figured out. It's like, I, f- I finally did. And now it sounds awesome. So exactly right. Yes. I like that. Um, now, I got a question. Would you rather be able to learn, like, or play any instrument or speak any language? I think that, um, that, that that's a really good question. And I think that langu- music is more universal than language. It transcends mm. any amount of communication that we have. Gotcha. And I would, and all these different instruments for music, they are like different languages, different sounds, different textures. Mm. And I think there's a lot of value to be had in understanding how to put all of those together. So you can't create a symphonic work if you don't know how to put everything together. So I think uh, that I would just for me, I would love to be able to play any instrument because that means I would understand all the intricacies that go into what makes an instrument unique and how could I use that in my own composition? I like that. I like that. I like the decision you made and I like the thought behind of just being able to put that thought behind the instrument and whatever you got to play. So I like that. Um, now, like uh, growing up and like, you know, experimenting different like types of foods, what snack did you find uh, that helped you think and like just like focus when you were like maybe doing homework or like working on activity? So uh, that, that's a great question, and this is probably going to be a really stupid answer, but I love <laughs> Welch's fruit snacks. Okay, I love them too. <laughs> yeah, like those, They're those awesome. things are so amazing. Like you just pop a couple in your mouth and like, oh. <laughs> it's just like you're, you're going through an experience. Like, why well, try drugs when you have Welch's? <laughs> but um, that, for real, they're, they're amazing. They're refreshing. I mean, you can't get old, like sick of them. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's uh, self-control becomes a problem when you have a whole box of them, but. I mean, I always love them, and I never will stop. I, I remember, like, I was on Amazon. They had this, like, I think it was, like, a pound of them or something. It was, like, one of the big bags, and I was just like, do I buy this? Is this smart? <laughs> <laughs> like, it might be gone in, like, three days, but. Yeah, they, they, they don't last long. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I like I like that snack decision, though, um, or choice. Um, so what was your favorite piece on the piano that you've played so far? I would say uh, Chopin's Ballad, number one in G minor. Now, that, that, that hmm. probably doesn't makes sense a lot of a lot of people but um that piece it was written by chopin when he left his home for the first time okay and he wrote it with like to express all of his frustrations and how much he missed his old home Mm. and i mean i'm a military kid and i have moved around a lot and i have a lot of regrets in just seeing like how i've lost my different connections and my different friends and stuff Mm. and i can really connect back with like the general idea of that piece not to mention it's Super, super challenging to play, and I really enjoyed working through the challenges and involved in learning how to play it effectively. What's been some of your hardest, hardest um, like practices or like skills you've had to learn learning that piece? So that one, it has uh, um, lots of corded arpeggiation, and so that means that mm. I'm playing 
different like chords all the way down the keyboard like this. Oh, so it's like a lot of finger, like just going up and down a lot. Yes, okay. and it's so, like the way I'm used to playing arpeggios is single fingers or maybe like a chord at the top or different things, but that one requires you to be able to know exactly where every single note on the keyboard is. Okay, that, that's... It. Uh, and it's just, it's so incredibly fast. If you want to listen to it later, like you'll see in like the, the uh, final section... Do you have a video of you playing it? I do not, unfortunately. I have not recorded it yet because mm-hmm. I haven't fully mastered the piece. I got you. Uh, so I'll put a video up for you guys to watch. Um, you'll see in the next clip, but this is uh, the piece Tristan's talking about. And yeah, I'll play for them. Um, so, you know, like like you said, being a military kid growing up and finding that struggle of not maybe potentially finding many friends, uh, what did you kind of like have to find or like do for yourself to like really, you know, get used to that feeling or like, you know, just like keep moving on? So I would say that that's a two-part answer. First, coming into a new place, you have to be able to learn how to fit in very quickly. Mm. So social chameleonism is what I like. I, I okay, I like that term. word, yeah. So where you can go into a, in a room, you identify the different people that are in there, and mm. you identify the commonality between those people, and how do you emulate that? Yeah. And that's what that's, it, it's a skill that not a lot of people learn very quickly but i had to because i wanted to be able to connect with as many people as once yeah that's, a, that's a great skill yes. by the way yeah first impressions always make the biggest difference so mm-hmm. if you go in to a group of people and they all like a very particular type of music or they all um they have a certain skill set i'm going to play to what their interests are i'm going to try mm-hmm. to say look i am just like you in this manner mm-hmm. and i want to help you those yep. two things, like that's what that's how you get people to connect with you very, very rapidly. Mm. So, you, is that a good way to like open up? Would you say like for advice for other people, just like being able to help? Yeah, absolutely. Because every I think there's a lot of uh, downplay with the value of kindness mm. in our society. And if you introduce yourself as somebody who, who wants to really contribute to uh, somebody else's life, mm. that opens up a lot of opportunities that weren't there before. That could also be some, some relationship advice too. If uh, anyone's looking for that special someone, you know, maybe try helping them out and what, what they want to do. And like, you know, that's kind of what a relationship is helping, helping your partner and building together. Yes, absolutely. I so I like agree. that. Um, now since quarantine, a lot of people have actually, you know, I, I don't know if this is a fact, but I, I've, I've noticed it in my school and you probably noticed it too. A lot of people's social skills have gone down since quarantine and just like uh, people haven't been able to open up as much. Now, what are your opinions on that? And how do you think people can like, you know, ha- ha- like uh, research or like maybe figure out how to overcome that skill? I would say that there is a lot of value in face-to-face conversation. Like that's why I'm sitting in front of you now instead of doing this over Zoom. Yeah. Right. We have there is a lot of that goes into communication and body language and the way that we interact that we don't notice consciously. Gotcha. And during quarantine, those two, about almost two years of not really seeing anybody, a lot of people lost that or never even learned it. Mm. And that really made friendships hard. If you already didn't, if you didn't already have a friendship mm-hmm. and you were introduced to that environment, it was, it would be very difficult to connect with people because yeah. you can't communicate authentically online. It doesn't make it even you can say whatever you want, but at the same time, they're just words on a screen. Yeah, there's no emotion really being expressed unless you're a really good typer. You could be like exclamation for excellent, like you can really express it, but like no one, it's yeah, has it time becomes cumbersome, really, yeah. really cumbersome. And for somebody who is coming out of quarantine with uh, difficulty interacting with other people, I would say first find what you are interested in, right? You want to find that commonality that you can find other people. 
mm-hmm. and don't necessarily try to apply social chameleonism to this case because if you want to create a lasting relationship, you want it to be on your terms. Mm. You don't want it to be on other people's. So you have to find what you're interested in, what you're good at, and then find other people who can share that same interest with you. Got you. So that that saying, it's like build build a fr- group of friends that do they do what you do or like favor what you kind of want to do. Um, I, I like I like how you put that into perspective. Yes, um, definitely. So you know, going off the the remark, the comment you make about you know giving, living that leaving that good first impression and just like finding those people who are similar to what you, you do. Um, does that first impression, how important is it? Like, because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, be careful your, your first impression on people because people always remember like that one negative thing you do. Mm-hmm. How important has, have you seen that for yourself? I would say that your first impression on somebody makes up 90% of their assessment of your character. Mm. It is so like for such a dynamic species, mm. humans are, ext- are ironically really resistant to change. And if you make yourself out to be an idiot or just somebody like or a jerk or something that you people don't really want to hang out with, gotcha. that's going to be very, very difficult to combat yeah. coming back out. Because once they have that single negative experience, that is going to stand out above. It's one con versus 15 pros. That one con is going to win out every single time. Mm. So making sure you're, you're cognizant of that is very important, especially in like business networking. Yeah. And uh, when you're talking to... Um, CEOs or other people that are, you're looking to be their your benefactors, mm-hmm. they are going to be very, very aware of how you interact with them, and that will influence their decision on how to interact back with you. I like that. I like that. Um, that comment you make about just 90% of everything or, like, first impressions is, like, they'll remember it and always way out. So I like that advice. Um, now, finding yourself as a person, just, like, being able to get familiar with a whole bunch of different people, you know, how, how do you how have you find that like skill of like oh I'm able to figure out what this person likes and like you know what what signs or like things do you look out for in people? So there's a it's, I'm very observant in the fact that little little things different different movements different the way people can walk even they can tell something about how a person talks and you can also if you want to strike up a conversation. I usually like to ask just five different questions in five different areas. Mm. And you can see if somebody's excited about one of those different areas mm-hmm. very, very easily if you're looking for it. Because, like, for example, if I'm meeting somebody who I, I didn't know was a programmer before, mm. and I ask them a question, hey, what books do you like? Or uh, what was this news article about? Or have you heard of this person? Gotcha. And then if I find exactly if what they're knowledgeable about, mm-hmm. if they already have targeted something that I put in as just like a – indicator Mm. i know that they are going to be interested in that because you're not going to be able to find that niche knowledge if you aren't already interested yeah that makes sense um now uh having to find that like about people and stuff you know what what, what would you like give recommend to someone if they're they're talking to someone and maybe like they find that the person isn't as informed or knowledgeable about a subject but they still like want to be good friends with the person and you know that that's like the only common interest they can really find what advice do you have for that well i would say that you don't don't get into the habit of judging people for their knowledge, right? Gotcha. You want to, yeah. There is nothing wrong with not having as big of an understanding because lots of different opportunities go into how much knowledge somebody has. It could be socioeconomic. It could be based on their ethnicity. Like you're not going to have an ability, the same same abilities across the board to have access to different information. So you should cut somebody off or 
um, stop working on trying to develop a, fr- a friendship with somebody mm-hmm. if they don't know as much about something as you do. Gotcha. Instead, you should offer yourself, hey, I could teach you something about this. I mm-hmm. could provide you some more information. I could give you something else to work with. Mm-hmm. And that right there, that could even be even more important overall because it gives you a chance to contribute to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And they will become, I would say, appreciative of you for the assistance that you gave them. Okay, I like that. And uh, I like I like how you gave that advice on like, you know, uh, it's you should just going back on like the helping wise and just being able to help other people. I like that. Um, did you find yourself uh, reading books a lot growing up and just like learning a lot from just like other people's experiences and stories? Yes, I was a massive literature nerd when I was in elementary school. Like that's because I didn't have too much of a like a social life. Mm-hmm. Literature became my escapism. Mm-hmm. And I read and read and read and read. That's how I really crafted my idea for how to interact with other people. Mm. And I think that a lot of people people make comments about my vocabulary today. And like, this is just from what I learned in elementary school. Mm -hmm. The mind is the most elastic Mm. in between one and 11 years old. And I just happened to use that time more efficiently than a lot of other people did. Got you. Now, would you say, you know, learning can overcome IQ because a lot of people, they, they might they say, oh, you know, I'm not smart oriented. My IQ is a little lower. Or, you know, some people might think that way. And, you know, what do you, what do you, what are your opinions on that? I would say the IQ test is the absolutely stupidest test. I agree with that. that yeah. The humanities ever considered. Like there are so many absolute, like just intellectual colossies that had, that exist just today that had that IQ didn't really predict. Like, I don't know you might have me from Richard with uh, familiar with Richard Feynman. He's a brilliant physicist. Mm. Um, he was absolutely genius. He taught himself calculus in fifth, sixth, fifth, sixth grade. He taught oh, himself wow. all these different physical concepts mm-hmm. just by reading scraps out of a newspaper. Mm. And yet his tested IQ was 108. Oh, so, and then there's also like the, there's a chess grandmaster, Hakura, um, uh, no, Hikaru Nakamura, mm-hmm. he became a chess grandmaster at eight years old. Oh, wow. But he has a tested IQ of 106. So it's like, is it is it this experience that, or like learning, it's like that's that's making these people like who they are? Yes, it is. And it is what they were able to put into themselves and to teach themselves the information that they had. And they were able to apply that more effectively than just being able to synthesize the information. Because IQ, it tests your ability to spatially reason it tests your ability to identify different patterns but Mm. identifying patterns does not equal intelligence Mm. it works out like for myself i have a very like i've had a high tested iq but that doesn't really mean much to me because i know that i can learn that's the only thing that I care about is the fact that I can absorb information. Before we continue on, I don't know if you're comfortable with this. What is your IQ? Um, I mean, I had I've taken multiple tests over the years, and it's, they range between 160 and 172. Oh wow! So you, you kind of—I'm I'm not going to say—but you do have like a little boost too, which I think I think that's a good thing too that you have that IQ benefit, and I think that'll help you along a lot along the way. Yes. Um, I actually can I make a. Oh comment? yeah, you're good. You're good. Yeah. I would say that like I one of. Uh, Another phrase that I like to say is uh, um, IQ is a condition, mm. not a definition. Mm. And it's mobile. Throughout your life, you can change in the amount like the amount of intelligence that you have, the, your ability to absorb information that will change over time. And it depends on how you treat yourself and how you practice. Your brain is a muscle. Yeah. You don't use it. You're going, it's going to deteriorate. And I like that, yeah. There's, there's plenty, like, the, like 
plenty of criminals out there who had absolutely brilliant minds that they destroyed with either with with drug usage or they just poor decision makings or even so like their social economic conditions made it impossible for them to develop and it's really sad that they weren't able to take advantage of their god-given gift now getting into that like economical field and just like learning and not being able to get as many opportunities do you feel as school you need school to like learn skills or could you self like Teach yourself, essentially. I would say that um, with the advent of the internet, self-teaching is absolutely a, a viable option. Mm-hmm. College is not a... It, it is not a monolith. You do not it's need helpful. college to be su- successful. It is helpful. Mm-hmm. It is great to have that piece of paper to fall back on. But at the same time, you want to look at the top 10 billionaires right now. Mm-hmm. Most, I think 8 out of the 10 of the top 10 richest people did not finish college. Mm. They took what they needed out of the system, and they left with it. Now, would you say they be highly believing in yourself at, at such a courteous like time, like being able to choose, like, oh, do I go to college or do I pursue my brand? How 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 does believing in yourself go into that? I say impact? that. Sorry, sorry for interrupting, but I say that um, self confidence is crucial. Hmm. You cannot go into a meeting and not be sure of your own product because if you can't convince yourself that you are worth it, uh, worth their time. Mm-hmm. How the hell do you think that you're going to be able to convince other people that you're yeah. worth their time? Yeah. And if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe that you are capable of the things that you that you should be, mm-hmm. then you're not going to get very far. And that's really mm-hmm. it's, it's it's unfortunate to have to say that, but it is true. And the first step with learning anything, with producing anything, or, or really changing anything in the greater world, it mm-hmm. starts with changing yourself. Mm. Um, so, you know, let's say if I'm a person, right, and I'm watching this podcast and I'm, and, you know, I recently, you know, maybe, uh, found a new friend group or like recently ditched my old friend group because I wasn't making the best decisions or, you know, finding of what I want to do in life. What do you have to recommend to someone just trying to start over, find a fresh new start for themselves, maybe find new hobbies that make, actually make them happy? What, what, what advice do you have to give? I would say that start with introspection, mm. looking at yourself, what motivates you, what makes you work what do you enjoy Mm. and then after you identify three or four things that you really feel passionate about Mm -hmm. then you can go online there are like you can go and just look for different groups and you can in school you can ask around you can take different classes because if you take let's say like ap physics ap chemistry you're going to find people who are interested in those fields just the same for if you just want to take marketing if you want to take computer science if you want to take culinary arts, any one of those things, you get in those classes, you're going to find people who are interested in those subjects. Yeah. So it, it's just a matter of finding, looking mm. in, looking in the right places gotcha. for those. And if you, like, I say for se- having second chances and being able to start over is very important. You want to make sure that you don't waste those chances yeah. because they don't come very often. Got you. Um, and I know some people, you know, they're, they're like, they're, they're looking at it for the money. They'll be like starting over and they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm going to be a new person. I'm going to make this m- amount of money. And I see them like grinding that thing for two weeks, but then they stop. Is it because, you know, maybe what they're trying to do, they don't have a passion for and they just die out of it? Or is it because they're just focused on the money too much? I would say that it goes um, two ways, right? There, mm-hmm. is a, there is the question of passion. There's also the question of your ability of self-discipline. Mm-hmm. And somebody who finds something they're really, really, really interested in, there is a you can hyper fixate on it. And then if you don't 
the way your brain works is if you don't get that dopamine release, if you don't get that satisfaction from getting somewhere with it, mm-hmm. it's going to be very, very difficult to find that same level of motivation again. Mm. And if money is your motivation, mm-hmm. you're not going to get very far because it takes hard work, a lot of discipline, and a lot of work ethic yeah. in order to get that in the first place. And if you have to be motivated by something beyond the material. I have found myself like spirituality and my faith in Christianity. That mm. has been as that's been my driving force. Got gotcha. you. For other people, that can be their other faiths. Um, it can be just for an atheist. You can just say hel- helping other people, mm-hmm. improving the human condition overall. Like that is definitely something that you can find that is beyond just material gain. Mm. That can be useful in helping you motivate yourself to do something more. Yeah. Also, um, I want to say, like, also looking forward to something. Like, if you, uh, let's say, you know, trying to find a passion, maybe, maybe like, you're bored every day and you're, like, you don't have anything to do and you're, like, starting to realize you're getting a little bit more sad and just, like, I want to find something to do now. It's, like, you have to, like, kind of find something where it's, like, it fits with your schedule when you want to do it. That's what I've realized. Like, with this podcast, I've I've realized that, like, oh, you know, my schedule sometimes won't be able to fit with everyone else's, so I have to maybe find a new segment where I can do by myself and like have fun, you know, being able to f- put those filler episodes. So I like I like the input you put into that and the knowledge that you gave um, for the viewers. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, um, so uh, going back into like opening yourself up into like new groups of people and stuff, you know, how have you found like let's say there's a lot of people out there with bad influences, right? Um, you know, maybe they they're doing something they don't want to. What advice do you have to give for those type for those people who just like are doing something that they don't want to do? I would say that the people that you surround yourself it impacts you more than you know. Mm. Um, where I used to live, there was unfortunately a, a lot of homophobia. There was a lot of racism. There was oh, a lot I'm of, sorry, like just just generally bigoted opinions. And when I had before, like because there was just so few people who didn't have those views, when you surround yourself with those people you find yourself beginning to reflect those same opinions, even if you don't really believe in it or you don't really see the value in it. Yeah. It just, it, it changes you by the people that you decide to hang out with. And I'm very, mm. very glad that I got out of that situation. And then I was able to find other people who did have love for everybody who did actually appreciate the human race for what it is. Yeah. And I think that if you are stuck in a situation like that, educate yourself mm. because if you can't counterbalance negative influences with positive influences, you can build that buffer for yourself with your knowledge and then how you want to approach different problems Mm. and try your best to get out, remove people from your life who aren't helping you. Got you. Do you believe in second chances, by the way? Because I I personally, as myself, I see if the person is really, if I see the effort in someone, you know, the second chance is there and like the love of like just really wanting to come back, you know, but what do you see? What is your opinion on that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I can remember I said before, human humanity is a dynamic species, and even though we might not be totally accepting of change as a whole, people change all the time. Different revelations occur in different people for different reasons. I think um, there was a, there was a friend of mine at my old school who um, he really unfortunately got into a lot of hard drugs, and uh. he didn't. He just kept going and going and going until one day he OD'd and he nearly, he nearly passed away. But he said that after that experience, he was done and he's been sober. He's been clean. He got back in school. 
and he's right now he's studying um, criminology oh, in wow. college. So he went from really the dregs of society to bringing himself up, putting in the work and putting the efforts to make himself a better person. Mm. And that goes for that same story has been retold time and time again throughout just history that we don't we don't ever really think about. Mm. And I don't think that people should judge other people for their past actions if they've shown a positive change. That's why I really don't like the way that cancel culture culture has been working these days because it's not productive. Some mm-hmm. kids are stupid. Yeah, kids. Kids yeah, are stupid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, Even like twenty, thirty year olds. You know, they still people still make stupid decisions. Exactly yeah. right. And you, if somebody recognizes that, yes, I need, I, I messed up. I, I'm not like that anymore. Like you can't. You should not change somebody's opportunities in their life for something that they themselves they're no they're not responsible for because they have identified their problem, they have fixed it, and they've paid restitution to whoever they might have harmed. I like that. Um, do you feel as you have to go to that pain and that not necessarily pain, but like experience of like, oh, like I'm missing this or like, oh, I I'm realizing that I need help because of what I'm doing is not helping myself, my health. Do you feel like you have to kind of go through that to just find that to get back on track, essentially? Yes, absolutely. Because there, um, how can you fix a problem that you don't see? Okay, there's you have to be able to identify what's wrong if you ever want a chance to understand on working through a path to fix it. Yeah, there is not going to be anybody out there who just magically becomes better and they don't they didn't really put any work in. They didn't see oh this is this is wrong. Yeah. You're not, that's just, that's just not impossible. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like the uh, thought behind it. And just like, you have to, you can't fix a problem that you don't have. Like mm-hmm. literally. And it's like, do you, do you, do you feel as you kind of have to like create a problem to, to get somewhere? Not, not necessarily like in everything or anything you do, but let's say for example, like I'm trying to maybe, you know, uh, start like a company. Right. And it's like, oh, like, you know, I, I don't have any like problems such as like I need to create, like, I need to get a laptop, save up for a laptop or like, you know, save up for to hire people, save up money for this. Like that creates a problem now, essentially. Do you feel that people have to kind of do that? So, I mean, it, it's not necessarily creating a problem, but rather just setting a goal for yourself. Oh, yeah. Goal, you want to yeah. you want to identify a problem. That means that there's something wrong. Goal is a better word. I like yes, that. If, yeah. if, 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 a goal is saying that there is something that you don't have that you want. And there is a very big difference between the two. A problem means that there's somebody who is being impacted. Mm. A goal is means that there's something that you want to change. Yeah. Um, I, I like that thought behind it, uh, that you got to put the goal, you got to get that goal out there. And I, I like how you substitute that word. Thank you for that, by the way. Yeah, of course. Um, now, do you feel piano, this is like an off-topic question to what we were talking about, but essentially, do you feel like piano goes good with like rap music and hip-hop, essentially? Because a lot of, you'll see a lot of trap people nowadays, they'll be putting piano uh, work into their beats and stuff, and it was just, the melodies will be so much more different. How do you feel about that? Oh, I, I'm fully supportive. I think that um, piano is one of the most valuable instruments for music creation. There's a reason that, EDM producers, they use a piano roll almost universally for their work because that is the easiest mechanism to put pitches together, to make rhythms, and to really create sounds and music as a whole. And Mm. to reintroduce the piano sound, not just the the piano mechanism, back into music. I think that's fantastic. I like that. Um, Incorporating the... uh, Piano is your favorite instrument, by the way, right? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah. So I, I like like you incorporated that too, and just like expressed that how piano is like the different sounds and just being able to 
have that composition. I like that. Um, now, going into like music theory a bit, do you find yourself creating songs on your own at all? Yes, I do. I've done a lot of comp- composition work in the past. I've entered in multiple composition activities, and I find it really, really rewarding because it goes back into what do I want to communicate with music? Yeah. Why am I doing this in the first place? Well, I want to show my emotions through this medium that I didn't really, I don't really have. And music composition is, it is very involved with music theory. If you don't understand how notes go together, you're not going to be able to get very far unless you're a genius. And not lots, anybody can work to create music. Anybody can learn composition. Mm -hmm. And there are a few people who are really, really talented right off the bat, but don't let that deter you because there is still a massive capacity for creativity that you can learn. It is a system. Yeah. that you can involve yourself in. Okay, I like that. Um, so as a producer, you know, do you feel what what or not not just for producers, but as a person like growing up, what are some pieces you listen to that really have expanded your music taste or just music uh, learning in general? That's that's a good question. Um, I would say that I was usually I was like a pop anti for a long, hmm. long, long time. Was it the culture behind it at all, by any by um, any means? Not necessarily, because I mean, I it was just I didn't. Find I didn't really feel like I was really being communicated with with just modern rap and stuff. Like I gotcha. didn't feel like there was really much of a message that I could feel versus where I was used to classical and orchestra. Mm-hmm. It's the music that communicates itself, not the words. Um, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but like a uh, weird opinion, or it, it could be like a some people might agree with it, some people not. But I feel like rap music sometimes it just makes you angry. Like I I just feel like as I sometimes when I listen to rap, like it just gets me like so. So into such a mood where it's just like, I, I, I just, I'm li- listening to these lyrics about like shootings and just like, you know, talking about women like this. I'm just like, I, I don't find like me being happy or like, I, mean, I, fi- I find myself being angry all the time just listening to this. Well, I think that, remember, what are these arti- artists trying to communicate? Most of these artists, uh, like for rap, they've come from really um, like dangerous and violent backgrounds and they are angry at life. They yeah. are angry at what has made them who they are and what ha- how they've been affected and impacted throughout their lives. Oh, yeah. So, of course, their music is going to communicate that very same emotion. And if you are self, like, if you don't like the way that people are being objectified in, in those songs, then that, yeah. But you also have to recognize that these exist for a reason. Mm. And that is because these problems exist. Yeah. And that music wouldn't exist if there wasn't something behind it. Yeah. And a lot of people, like, they... People who don't like rap, they don't see that they're like that reasoning behind why rap exists in the first place. Mm-hmm. And going back to your original question about what brought me into it, I've started listening to more rap as after I found Eminem because mm-hmm. his lyrics, they communicate a story. And I've always, oh, yeah. always loved hearing just like the genius of putting together all of those words in such a rapid manner. Like I think it's, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and um, Eminem is one of the. Like, I, I, in my opinion, he's one of the best lyrical artists out there. His <laughs> lyrics just have so much meaning, like, behind his, his childhood story growing up and just, like, how he had to live as a child. And I, I think that's uh, awesome how you put, like, uh, into consideration Eminem. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so if you have advice for anyone trying to maybe become a producer or learn music theory or just an instrument in general, what, what would that be? I would say start creating as soon as you possibly can like you can use there's plenty of free resources out there if you want to start um just like f- free music creation general you can get music score mm. and then you can just put 
random stuff on the page. It doesn't matter how good it sounds or how bad it sounds. Just get a feel for how to use the software, get a feel for how to actually understand what things do. Mm-hmm. And then second step is to listen to music. But instead of listening it just for the pleasure of listening, see what you like about it. What do you want to emulate in your work and how do you want to apply mm. different ideas? Gotcha. I mean, there's, there's so much in latent inspiration that is held within the music that already exists mm. for more creativity. Um, now, do you agree on this opinion? You know, uh, like good artists steal other gar- artists' work. You know, and like that can be interpreted in different ways. Like, you know, like we're not talking copyright and just take everything they have, but like, you know, uh, essentially if an artist uses a lot of bass or like, you know, a lot of, um, you hear a lot of like, kind of arcade sounding sounds could an artist like take that and you know put it into their third work and just like change it up a bit but essentially get that vibe that the artist is bringing yeah absolutely there is a i mean i would say that there is really nothing in history that doesn't exist without a predication right mm-hmm. and that applies to music you can't copyright a chord you can't copyright a scale mm-hmm. because all these things exist to can further musical language so if somebody comes up with a new idea that idea can be used for more creativity for more songs for more different pieces and different ideas coming from that yeah and we shouldn't try at the same time of protecting an artist's right to their property we shouldn't try to limit the creativity of other people Mm, i like that um do you feel as a lot of these? Uh, so I'm I'm not I'm not sure too too knowledgeable on this information, but I've heard like a lot of r- labels and like uh, big time companies like um, Spotify and like Apple Music they've been underpaying their artists and potentially not even paying some of their artists for like the revenue. Um, what are your opinions on that? I think it's really unfortunate that that's what we live in, but there's also a significant. You have to go into how are these companies making their money in the first place. Um, Spotify is the least profitable multi-billion dollar corporation out there. Mm. Almost, I think, I think 70% of their profits go straight back to the big recording labels. Okay. So they don't have much money in the first place to give the artists. And if they give the artists any more, then they end up, they can't pay their own employees. They can't pay for more expansion. But at the sense. same time, you're undervaluing artists' work and then what they have to get put into the... Um, the, the industry themselves. So yeah. it's not a problem with the platforms themselves. It's not a problem with Spotify. It's not a problem with Apple mm-hmm. music. It's a problem with the big recording labels and the profiteering that is happening there. Got you, got you. And a lot of these artists, you know, I'm not I'm not speaking on a lo- like essentially every artist, but there's artists out there who especially get money from the record label, you know, make a good profit, and then they just blow it on fancy things, you know. How, how do you feel, like, what, what advice would you give to, like, someone like, uh, you know, maybe getting into the into the music industry and just like getting that sudden fame like how important is advertising really just putting your money into different things so i think that the american consumerism is really a negative impact on the way that we view money because a second that somebody is who isn't used to having to deal with large finances mm-hmm. gets that amount of money in such a short period of time money mismanagement is almost inevitable and it's really sad mm-hmm. because like it or not, money is the way that we solve problems. And if you don't know how, to, if you if you try to spend it on luxury, if you try to spend it on just hedonistic pleasure, then you're not going to really feel the full value of your what you have done, right? Mm, if yeah. you just waste it on stuff, then what was the point of you getting it in the first place? Yeah. What was it? What was go put it back into what got you there in the first place? 
Yeah. Reinvest it back into your music. Try to encourage other artists. Or on the turtle, you can just go and put it in charity. You can help other people. Invest in humanitarian efforts because yeah. that's going to do more for you than getting yourself a Ferrari. Yeah, and um, I've, I've not I've noticed it, and I'm, I'm not like knocking on it or anything or like you know criticizing them, but you know a lot of people like essentially helping like Mr. Beast, you know Steve will do it. They essentially give out money to people and. That's essentially their content, and I think that's a great way to put, put it. Like, you can literally just be like giving out money or doing big things for other people, and you can grow yourself as an artist or a person like that too. And I, th- I think that's a great way to put. Yes, actually, I would like to bring out like you probably remembered uh, Michael Bloomberg, the uh, presidential candidate for the last election. He spent five hundred million dollars on, on campaign spending. Oh wow. Imagine what $500 million could have done for the hungry and starving people of New York. Could have done so much more. Exactly, right? So it's just, what is the point? Where did that money go to? It just evaporated for absolutely no reason. Mm. And all of that potential for solving these housing crises and stuff, like it's just completely wasted because of these egotistical campaigns. Mm. I I like how you put that into perspective. I didn't really think about that too. I was like, yeah, where does that? Where does the money go? It's like we we could have used it such for such better things, and I, that's a lot of lessons too. But like, essentially, yeah, I like that. Um, now, have you had to overcome any? I, I know you talked about like being a military kid having to move around a lot. Um, what what struggles have you overcome, and how have you overcome them yourself? If you're comfortable with talking, so I I have a, um I've had lots of struggles with uh, mental health, and I've I mean I've there's a lot of things that go into it. I've had some abuses and different like identity crises that some of my closer friends are more aware of. But um, for what I'm comfortable speaking with here, I would say that just depression in general, right? It's just mental illness is this monster and it it doesn't define who you are. It doesn't define what you can do, but what it can do is control you and your decisions. And it's very important to find other people who can help you through that. And you should definitely try to, to trust other people with your issues because you can't cover, overcome things on your own. Because I know what was interest, instrumental for me in becoming a more effective person and overcoming those struggles with mental illness was trusting more people, building my support group, building my friend group, and making sure that the people I surrounded myself were people who had my best interests in mind. Got you, got you. And I, I'm glad you found that for yourself and overcome those uh, struggles. And I'm happy you're... Better than ever today, so yes, definitely. I love that. Um, now I, I like to say that depression is really random. I feel like I I, I know for me I've I've over, I've overcome it and I've struggled with it, but it's 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 so random. Like you you you'll never if if you're a person who's always happy and maybe has never experienced depression, I can just say this that it's just so random that it will come out of nowhere and the 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 overcome like the struggles to overcome it are just like it's different for everyone essentially yes, definitely it's a it's indiscriminate and somebody doesn't have to, a lot of people who have the condition they don't address it because they feel like they don't have a reason to be depressed yeah and they feel like oh i must have some amount of trauma that causes to happen though that's not the case because yeah. what depression is, is is a chemical imbalance in your brain yeah and that imbalance can happen at any time for any reason and it doesn't doesn't have to be brought on by negative experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that too, I feel like depression is like seen as such like a, so it can be seen as like a, oh, a pick me like attention thing, but it, it's really not. It's just, exactly. you can't explain it until you really experience it essentially. And, and I've, if I could give advice to anyone going over with over depression, it's just like, 
you're not alone and you're going to figure it out. It's just, it takes time. Like it, it's not going to be like right away. You're going to have to exp- essentially experience it and figure it out for yourself and with all other people along you that are helping you along the way. Absolutely agreed. So I, I, I like the, the discussion we had about that and the topic. Uh, I loved how you could um, give some advice for the viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could start middle school or elementary school over again and just like build yourself as a person, what would you do differently? Um, I would put a lot, I would, I would learn even more. Okay. I think that I felt, especially in middle school, I wasted a lot of time. Okay. I wasted my time um, in where I put my efforts in learning, and I I just messed around too much. Mm. Now, sorry to interrupt you on that. Um, would you say a lot of that came from, like, you know, was it video games maybe? Was it, uh, you know, not essentially hanging with the wrong people? Or what could that have been? It was both hanging with the, with the wrong people and um, I would say just surfing the web, right? If you just, the internet is this wormhole and you can just sit in front of your computer for five, six hours and just, just, completely, it it evaporates and you don't have a way to get that back. Yeah. And if you're not disciplined in that, and that discipline is taking, I'm still working with figuring out how to focus myself. Mm. It, I feel like that I lost a lot of time that I could have used to develop myself during those times. Mm. I feel like uh, comfort's a big thing that people the addiction is so like you know of course that's where addiction roots from just comfort of naturally doing the same thing over and over again but mm-hmm. essentially just com- we we us as people we get adjusted to comfort where it's like if we're not familiar or like uh comfortable with doing something we, we don't usually do or like you know scheduling our routine it's just going to be like so different for us and throw us off as a person so i feel like you know exploring and like being able to have discipline for yourself is really yes. good um so you know Growing up, what's a quote or saying that you kind of had in your head or, like, you know, always taught, taught to yourself that that's helped you along the way? Um, I think, are you familiar with the movie The Shawshank Redemption? I am not. No. Tell, tell me a little bit. Okay, so the, the, just a quick summary. It's about an innocent man who was sent to prison for a murder that he did not commit. I've heard this story many times okay. in news articles, though. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And um, he drove himself with his innocence to... Um, build himself an escape and what he did is he left the prison um based off of his ability to he was very very intelligent he was a he was a hotshot banker mm. and well at the same time as pleasing the warden the guards and stuff with his financial knowledge he was working and building himself a tunnel out to escape okay so it was a very interesting movie but one quote from it is uh from his mentor in the prison and he said it's um uh, red he said get busy living mm. or get busy dying Okay, so, so it's it, like it's if you're going to survive, if you're going to live in the world that we have today, then mm-hmm. your time, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, there are 24 hours in a day. There are seven days a week. There are 365 days in a year. Mm-hmm. How much of that time are you going to use, and what are you going to do for yourself in that time? Yeah, there's no reason for you just to live for the sake of living. There's no reason for you to just exist and yeah. not contribute to yourself like you know it's essentially a waste it really is yeah, yeah exactly and for people who feel like they are stagnating in that way i i really I, I feel so bad because for them because that is such a hard cycle to get out of if you're not used to working if you're not used to doing more with your time mm. and it's such a hard cycle to break out of 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, people who do drugs, they, once you get that first, like, I, I know we're talking about drugs a lot, but essentially, you know, people who do drugs, they get that dopamine or like, you know, essentially people who like street race, they get dopamine from such such a such a activity that they're so normal and used to. And like, you know, being able to get out of that comfort zone, it's going to be like so like shocking to them. And just like, it's not comfortable, essentially, but you're going to have to go over that and essentially figure out what you need to do next. Absolutely. So I like that. Um. Now, for 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 moving on to the subject or the topic, uh, you said you were you're involved in a lot of different organizations and clubs, and you travel a lot with that. Uh, what, what what are some things you've done? So I've done physics Olympiad, I've done chemistry Olympiad, I've done science Olympiad, um, I've done AMC, which is American Math Com- Contest. Gotcha. Um, I've done math counts. I've done first Lego League. I've done first Tech Challenge, first robotics competition. Um, I've done. Wind, wind team. I've done Seaport, which is building an underwater remote controlled robot. Oh, wow. Um, I've done, what else? I've done all the different honor societies. Mm. Um, I, I'm going to be I'm president of three next year. So oh, wow. I've got, I have, and I also have done a lot of work with scouting like and conservation service. So for that, essentially, what is like, what are some of the coolest people you've met? I, I don't want to know off the bat. Like, what are some cool people you met i would say um there's a there's a gentleman by the name of josh nichols and i've met him through robotics mm. he is the most intelligent person i have ever met and he really showed me that what what i was really capable of mm. he inspired me to do more with my life after meeting him gotcha. like he was he was in sixth grade and he had already taken multivariable calculus i was like what what and i he's like yeah like this is what i can do and i was like oh i didn't realize i didn't understand that there's something that you can teach yourself and i was yeah that's what i've decided to start grinding at myself and i without that first initial push from him i wouldn't be the person i am today that age is just crazy though like it's sixth grade just learning that matt like that's insane, and especially for you, like this, the 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 stuff you've done today. It's just like, how do you keep all that in mind? Like, that's, that's props to you for that, by the way. Um, Appreciate it, thank you. Uh, so, if you you know could recommend a club or anything that you've done doing right now to someone maybe trying to get into that engineering field or just like that you know building field, what, what would you recommend? I would say the best way for you to get involved with engineering is to do engineering challenges. So. Mm-hmm. I, my robotics team, like with the first robotics competition, that is a very is the, probably the closest thing you're going to get to real world engineering, mm. because they give you, you say we're going to give you this board, mm-hmm. and it's about the size of a basketball court. Okay. And they say we need you. We have these different tasks. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to do whatever you want. Okay. And as long as you operate within those constraints you have this freedom to engineer and build. Like, you can go up to six to... Like, I think the tallest FRC robot was 14 feet tall. Okay. These things go 40, 30, 40 miles an hour. Like, they're just incredible feats of engineering. Yeah. And creating these objects, getting through that design process and understanding what really goes in to creating a successful machine, mm-hmm. that's really what's going to drive your ability to succeed in the engineering field. Okay. Um, did you build Legos a lot when you were a child? Oh yeah, definitely. I was a huge, huge Lego kid. Would you say that gate kept you into like engineering and just like introduced you to that building aspect of things? Yeah, I think that there's just so much creativity with Lego building that a lot of people don't realize. And I got involved with like first Lego League, like that's the mm. middle school, like elementary school, middle school robotics stuff. 
And I really enjoyed using Legos to solve problems, which is not really something that people really think of when they think of Legos. Mm -hmm. They just think of the sets. Yeah. But it's what you it's not the sets that matter. Mm. It's what you what else can you make on your own with the Legos that really drove me. Sorry for the <laughs> okay. What were some uh pieces that you've like built on your own or like with Legos that you've uh you know, maybe thought to yourself as a kid, like, oh, this is cool, you know, maybe I want to do some do some things when I'm older, you know, in the engineering field? Um, I would say I wanted to, I really, really, really wanted to build a space station when I was a kid. Space station? Yeah, like, I, I thought that was so cool and everything, and I built, like, this, like, five-foot Lego model mm. of, a, of a Lego station, a space station with all <laughs> the classical blue Lego bricks from my dad. That's awesome. I, and I was so into it, and I think that, even though I'm not really focused anymore on the space station aspect, mm-hmm. putting together that object really showed like there is more yeah. to engineering than than this. Like just, I can I can definitely go further with this. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, I I could just imagine you just be like building the set and be like, oh, this the, this the, this is the pilot's room. This is the yeah, just exactly, having all these yeah. different rooms and just like <laughs> different like. Uh, aspects of help. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know? I think that's really cool. The childish creativity. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That oh yeah. We should really, as teens, we should really try to bring back into our lives. People just get so brought down nowadays for trying to be themselves. It's just like it's not them being like weird or like you know not normal. It's just they they're not they're not interested in what you do. Yeah, it's like that. Um, that Squidward versus SpongeBob, right? Mm-hmm. You have Squidward, who's like that child, not Squidward, but SpongeBob is the childish, intuitive genius. Mm-hmm. And then Squidward, he's this metered, really sad, but also he's just envious of SpongeBob's creativity because he yeah. can't get past his own um, barrier of yeah. just like being. This is this person, this figure that he has in his mind. Exactly, and that's yeah. that's the really the story of life for so many just adults in today yeah. where they had these drives and these passions and these abilities that they wasted mm-hmm. and now they feel cynical about the rest of their lives and i don't i want to be the, the people around me mm-hmm. i want to make sure that they never stop being spongebob right yeah <laughs> it no, sounds no, shit, no for real because spongebob you know no matter who, who says anything or what he's always going to be happy because he, he loves what he's doing like exactly right it's just like that that's a big lesson i like yeah um, now, you know, having to like travel and other different things, what, what events uh, are you potentially going to uh, go to in the future for, let's say music for music? Um, I'm planning on going to Poland within the next two years to compete internationally Oh wow! with the Warsaw Chopin international competition. That's going to be very, very challenging. That's a very, very high profile. How did that come to, uh, come to rise? Like how, how did that whole process look like for you? So it, it's Started with just winning local competitions, right? Okay, so yeah. I started from a young kid. This is, I, I learned pieces and I learned techniques and I learned how to communicate. I practiced, practice, practice, practice. I was like, before this year, I tried to practice four or five hours a day. That's really school. good. And it's just like so much time went into developing my skill set mm-hmm. and making sure I was outdoing everybody else. Mm. And I want to continue to drive that, but I don't think. I think that I'm, I'm definitely going to have a good experience, but I'm definitely not going to win mm. when out there because the people that are winning those competitions, mm-hmm. piano is the only thing that they do. Oh, like every day? like type. All day. Like, like, I think like the last person who won like, is a high, 
Hasunto Sugimori. He practices for almost eight hours per day. Oh wow! Like it's just he's he dropped out of school to practice to play piano. And oh wow! Uh, like, I don't I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I have all these other interests and I have all these different activities that I involve myself in. Mm-hmm. I just don't have the time. Got you. Do you find uh, so music is essentially like um, you know not to say you can't make any money from it or anything, but essentially is it just like a, a hobby like doing in general and just like competing just to, just to co- like compete and just like express your your music? Yes, absolutely. It's just it's something that I'm developing purely for myself. Gotcha. I like that. I like that. I and mean, I feel like we all have to find that 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 music in us or like just whatever we like to do as an activity because it is stress reliever. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um. Now, I I wish you good luck on the competition as well, but. You know, what What are you doing to prepare yourself for this, essentially? So this is going into, I want to get as much knowledge mm. as possible. I want to, I'm going around different master classes. Um, I, even tomorrow, I'm going to be going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to do virtual lessons with uh, some Vanderbilt professors. Oh, wow. Um, I just, I've done some stuff at Peabody, at Juilliard, and just like getting more perspectives on the way that I perform and play is very, very important to how... I improve myself mm. and make sure that I'm still somewhat competitive in that aspect. Gotcha. What is a what does a daily schedule look like for Tristan? Oh God. Okay. What do you want? Do you want semester one Tristan schedule or do you want semester two? Because those are two very different things. Because okay. I, I was doing my college stuff in tandem in semester one. Semester one, and then what? What is semester two more of? Like? Semester is mostly extracurricular. Extra. Let's hear about the extracurricular because I want to know how you able to balance and fit everything in at the same time in, in this interview too like that's great like with your schedule i just want to know how you're able to do it okay so i would say like i try to get up at 5 a.m every single day okay you're a morning person what are you a, are you a morning person yes okay yeah so i i get up at 5 a.m and then i go out and i do a quick i do a, usually a 30 minute jog and workout routine so that's about what two miles two and a half miles usually and then yeah. I, like I want to make sure I'm still like focusing on my body. Mm-hmm. Healthy mind lives in a healthy body. Of course, yeah. So that 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 time I, I'm done with that around five forty five six ish, and then I'll eat breakfast and then I'll do about an hour of homework. Okay. Then that's... I'm gonna go to school at around eight because I have practices and extracurriculars, different meetings every single day at eight a.m. Gotcha. Yeah. And then I do school day. Um, usually I'm now just focusing on doing different projects for my extracurriculars during class because there's really nothing happening anymore um i did a lot of like i don't really do a lot of studying because i had i i'm very grateful for my like i just can look at something and i can remember it it's not huge impact on my ability to succeed gotcha so most of that like studying in time just goes into class and just really paying attention yes 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 paying attention in class is uh, that's the only reason why i'm able to do what i do we only have so much little time like you said so (laughs) i like i like that i like that um, and then after school, I have practices you, 5.30 to 6, mm-hmm. and ending at 5.30 to 6. So that goes into either tutoring mm-hmm. um, like, and then also academic team. We're doing our national competition here in about two weekends. Oh, wow. Um, we've got the robotics. We're doing that two, two meetings a week, and I'm also meeting with different CEOs and business people. What, what are some uh, – I don't know if you, you're f- too familiar with that yet, but what are some names that you're going to be seeing or, like, some some companies that we're, we could be uh, hearing from in the future? Um, so HealthJoy is one. Uh, CEO is Justin Holland. Um, there's um, Alan Long. He's a professor of entrepreneurship at University of Washington in Seattle. Okay. Um, there's – uh, Joe Winkleman, COO of Bonefrog. 
it's a it's a copy business. Gotcha, he's, still, gotcha. he's done he's done work with STEM businesses in the past. There's uh, uh, Jimmy Gia, who he's a serial entrepreneur. I'm not sure what company he's currently affiliated with now right now. It's just so cool, just like all these different like names that you're throwing. It's just like it's, it's like cool to me that you're able to you know collaborate and expand with these people. So yeah, networking is massive, and it's a uh, really incredible to see how much people other people know and what I can learn from them. Yeah. Um, how, how big would you say is building connections, connection, connections is in this like marketing era of things? I think that is, it is everything Mm. now more than ever. It's not what you know that matters is who, you know, Mm. you're not going to be able to get anywhere in the business world. If you don't know people who can help you, how big is that for music as well? Like for for music, it's even more important Mm. because the, the big record labels, the big, all these, like the Spotify, Apple music, their algorithms are entirely based on the primary consumer Consumer, and if if you don't know people that Mm -hmm. the primary consumer knows then you're not going to get anywhere okay i i had that in mind but you just expanded way more into my mind so i I appreciate that and Mm -hmm. i i get what you're coming from now um so you know having to like mess around with like a lot of different types of beats and stuff going back into music what do you find like are your like favorite types of beats or like I don't know if you have you tried producing much in your free time. Um, EDM, I've I'm less experienced with it than I'd appreciate, but I've done just lots of. Um, I think the best word for it is ambience. Mm, ambience, okay. and I I just enjoy like the like the whole like the space sounds and like the way that you can like get it gives me chills running down my spines every <laughs> every every time I hear something that reminds me of just like the vastness of the universe and i like i like communicating that through the music do you use noise canceling headphones by any chance yes i do how 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 much of a difference is that oh, it's huge it's, it's huge yeah absolutely uh, it's like it, it focuses you so much more on what's happening in the music that you're listening to i gotta switch to noise canceling head i i yeah. like i remember putting on my friends and it's like it really blocks everything yeah, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's just it's really changes everything yeah and um like even for a lot of people, even if you can't aff- like uh, afford that type of equipment and stuff, it's just like you know the, the goal is I guess for like me too. Like I'm trying to get these noise canceling headphones. Essentially, mm-hmm. one of my goals. So yeah. Um, now, would you ever consider being a DJ? Let's say like you you had time to learn another skill. What would you consider being a DJ? I mean, it's uh, I mean, it'd be fun. It'd, it would definitely be a lot of fun. Um, it's just where. Again, I guess if you're saying that if I have time, mm-hmm. I would. Yeah. I would. I mean, I would. I would love to do everything. I would love to just become the most well-rounded person I know. Yeah. And DJs were just one of those other fun activities, really sharing your music with so many other people, making other people happy, and just. I think that, that there are a lot of fulfillment that could come from that. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I, I like that you said like being well-rounded, and we're all we're all trying to be well-rounded, but we don't have time for everything, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So yeah. Um. Now. What would help a lot with your goals and what you're trying to accomplish right now as a person if you could if you were able to get it like right then right now? I would say that's that's a that's a hard question. I would say that you can, yeah, you, okay. it, 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 got, take, it takes time. I, I, I got to think about it. It's it's, it's it's a little question, yeah. yeah. I would say that I would love to learn how people work mm. i would like to be able to if i could figure out how to predict 
what my actions, how they impact other people, mm-hmm. that would make everything that I'm doing so much easier because that means that I would be able to vector all of my leadership stuff with my my organizations in mm-hmm. that specific way to make sure people are the most involved mm-hmm. or with the the business people I'm interacting with I could get the maximum investment from them okay or yeah. with my teachers I would know that exactly this is how I what I can do to on my essay or whatever to get a perfect hundred mm-hmm. or just like with my marketing if I want to sell my businesses this is exactly what I need to is how I need to advertise. Like understanding how people would work, mm. that changes the game in so many different areas of your life. So essentially, just having a layout of like someone or like what you like basic steps of what you need to do. Essentially, yes. Okay, I got you. And that's oh. something that you can develop over time with individuals, but mm-hmm. then you cannot predict the mass. You you never know what could happen. Like mm-hmm. you know, you, one day you can have this booming company, and the next day you could fall short. You know, you never know. This market's always changing. Mm-hmm. I like how you emphasize that. Um. Now, to expand more on the Robotics Club, uh, you're currently the leader of it, right? Or yes. the president? Yes. What is it and would you recommend it for like, uh, let's say, you know, a regular person just, you know, finding a hobby? What, 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 what is that to like someone you're introducing the club to? I want this uh, robotics team at Lightridge to be the most accessible STEM opportunity for gotcha. anybody. And this is really something for everybody to become involved when i am huge 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 on inclusivity on getting like the women in stem on providing um technology to like people who don't really like this like what's a special special education kids i want to provide those opportunities to everybody Mm -hmm. and uh um, the robotics team is really just a it's an environment to learn it's an i'm sorry it's an environment to um create and to just do something more than what you're used to. Mm. And I think there's a huge, I did robotics for a while now. And every single time we go to a competition, I can see what I've made succeeding, winning, getting all those points. It's so fulfilling. And I want to be able to share that experience with absolutely everybody I can. You don't have to be particularly talented or experienced or whatever you want. As long as you're willing to learn, that's all that we care about there. I love that, and you're you're, just changing, you're you're also changing people's mindsets too, which is awesome thing to do, and incorporating that into your company. I think that's awesome, or not company, but cl- club or organization. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of which, you said you, uh, to me earlier that you were uh, supposedly starting a company yes, next year. Yes. How, so what's that looking like? That is a very. This was actually started out mm-hmm. as a, a branch of the robotics team, as I because I wanted to create three different initiatives. In our off-season practices, like gotcha. this is how we can contribute to the community. Okay. Because remember, engineering, it's all about solving problems. And yeah. if we're not working to solving our community's problems, then we're not really worthwhile to put our time and resources into. So those three were um, providing comprehensive STEM education to um, elementary schoolers. Gotcha. The second one was providing um, processes and um, robot- like just robotic solutions for de- kids with developmental disabilities. Okay, yeah. Or, like, I think one example with my old team, we built, there was two girls who were born without legs, mm-hmm. and we souped up two Power Wheels cars, made them faster, made them safer, and made oh, them wow. durable for them, even though they didn't have legs. That's awesome. And it's just, like, when you when you when when we gave that to them, uh-huh. their, their parents and the, that kid, it's just, like... You saw the excitement and just sat... That has to be it's, awesome. It's so man. beautiful to see how happy we made that single group of people and that that's how you that's how you start making changes really is you, I, I love that um and now, it, oh sorry, sorry. You're, 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 good. you're good okay all right so the uh, the third initiative was i wanted this was my big like my, my magnum opus is i wanted to make sure 
I wanted to solve global warming, right? Mm. And I wanted to, I did some research and what I found was a uh, carbon capture technology made by some MIT researchers a couple of years ago. Gotcha. There are a couple um, problems with the study mm-hmm. that I've since identified and I've fixed and we've gotten permission to recreate the study. Oh, wow. But I had some commu- some conversations with some people. I've done some of my own some additional research and development and we figured out that we can really turn this technology into a business. Oh, yeah. And we're going to continue developing it. We're going to make some software alongside of it and uh, try to market off to larger um, corporations and industries to really reduce their carbon footprint. When are you hoping to launch this, uh, essentially, for, for, for yourself? Right now, the, uh, we're planning on incorporating December to January. December, January, okay. And uh, what? Uh, not, not to... Uh, not on the company essentially but what what other like things have you also helped with because I, I find that story so interesting about like how you're able to help the person with without the without the legs and just uh helping them like have an easier life what other things have you also done in that uh example so uh that's actually my eagle scout project back in freshman year mm-hmm. at the onset of covid the supply chain completely broke down oh what? Uh- for um, just like medical supplies and everything, yeah. doctors were not able to have personal protection mm. when working with people. And there were like in my area, we had there was a real problem with COVID and the way that it was attacking people. Oh, there yeah. were nurses dropping dead because they just weren't able to protect themselves from the virus. That's so scary. It, it really was, and that was all because they couldn't get the materials they needed from larger corporations. Mm. So what I did is I organized this group called 757 cares mm. and we, it was a uh, 75 amateur 3d printer owners and stuff. And we facilitated, okay, this is how we're, we're going to make this design. Yeah. And we, everybody 3d printed that same design of the face shields mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And then I had everybody bring the stuff to my house and then we put them together with some transparencies that we were able to secure. Yeah. And we distributed 4,000 face shields within two weeks to all these different um, doctors. That's insane. And it it really, like, they were so terrified of going to work every single day without what they needed to be safe that they just, it changed their lives in that moment. You guys are awesome for that. I just want to say like that, that definitely made a huge impact in the health force and just like what, what, what you've brought and just like bring comfort for the nurses and doctors in general, just for them. And I, I think that's awesome for what you did. Um, so to expand on like the business and stuff, what, what future goals do you have for yourself in mind? And what are you hoping to get for, for yourself as a person? I would really like to expand this to be a global initiative. I'd like to get governmentally subsidized because the only way that we're going to stop the changes that are occurring in the world right now is to remove the things that we've already put in there. Mm. All these emissions that we put out, stopping them, that might do one thing, Mm -hmm. and that will prevent the problem from getting worse, but that won't fix the problems that already exist. What are some things you think that we're using in the world or, you know, uh, we're putting out in the in the environment that is negative in a way for this world? Um, I would say just there's so much ignorance in the way that the general American interacts with the world around them mm-hmm. that causes all these different things to occur. It's just like eating meat is, I mean, I still, I, I, I still eat lots of, I eat meat on my own, but it's also like, I try to limit my consumption because the amount of emissions that it takes to, get to that, raise a cow, yeah. to kill it, to get his meat packaged and reproduced and all that, it's really, really impactful. And you waste so many resources for that. Or just like driving your car. 
Mm-hmm. I I try to bike around as much as I possibly can because just driving the car that's really contributing further to the problem that I'm putting 40 hours a week into trying to fix. And it just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Why am I trying? Why am I fixing this while I'm just also at the same time contributing to it? Yeah. So team electrical cars. Yes, yes. absolutely. Tesla's for the win. Uh, I'm I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm I'm with the with the change and like what's coming, so I'm excited for for what the future has. Um now, would you say what what do you do you see in like the future cuz you know we're talking about global warming and stuff. What what what, what do you see like you know, having research into it a bit, like what what could potentially happen? So if you want to, we, there's two scenarios. There's either we we um, stop mm-hmm. and we fix what's happening, or we continue what's going wrong. And at, for if we continue with what's happening right now, we're going to be looking at a ma- another mass extinction event. Oh, we're looking at um, wildfires. We're looking at habitat destruction, large scale. People are going uh, on the equator, especially. Mm-hmm we're going to just start dropping dead from heat stroke. There's just no way that people will continue to be able to survive. And it's just going to be this devastating loss of life in yeah. all aspects that is completely avoidable. Oh yeah. What, what's, what would the second thing be to like fix this? So if we stop what what's happening with uh, the way that we're treating the environment around us, we're going to be able to, we're still going to experience some amount of the impacts because we've waited too long as it is. Oh yeah, no, I've, I've I remember back in two thousand like ten, I was hearing things about like you know uh, potential icebergs uh, melting really fast in like in our in our in Arctic and like all these things about it, global warming and now it's happening. We're lo- we're gonna lose a few countries like they're all like the Micronesian um, oceanic countries. They're going to unfortunately we're gonna lose a few of those islands and their people's livelihoods are going to be destroyed. There's gonna be the, some coastal cities, coastal floodings from sea level rise that are going to be destroyed. And I think that we need to, as a society, really feel responsible for the consequences of our actions. Mm. Now, going into that, like, uh, what was the word you use? Um, not, like, not being, like, knowledgeable on, like, the environment stuff. Do you feel as people, like, you know, they have that mindset of, like, oh, you know, I'm not going to be living during the time, like, maybe this extension might happen, so I might as well just live now. How 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 like how negative is that for the environment? It's extremely negative, and that's really what um, like the oil companies are the ones who are really pushing that like, that psychological drive for people to live like that. So it, actually, they have this four phase approach. Mm. First, they try to get everybody to think that global warming doesn't exist. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And then, secondly, they said yes, global warming does exist, but it's just a natural process. Mm. Humans aren't changing this at all. The third thing was global warming is happening. Humans are contributing to it. Mm-hmm. But we're not affecting what's actually like it's not really going to make a difference if we change or not. And then mm-hmm. fourthly, humans are causing global warming, but it's too late, oh, and it's... We, we might as well not do anything about it. And it's just like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's so backwards. But they've already they've gotten half the country on board with how they want their philosophies to interact, and people just like they're so focused on themselves and the way that they enjoy their consumerist life Mm. that they don't see the consequences of their actions like if you want to i feel like that being exposed to the areas i was even though it wasn't enjoyable for me Mm -hmm. like no no one wants to live in a a poor area no one wants to live in those places and for the i'm very fortunate that i wasn't able that i was able to get out of there 
but I'm glad I had that exposure because now I understand like this is the impact of what, how I live. This is the impact of how we have created our country. Yeah. And it's my responsibility now that I've seen how these, how, how I live affects other people mm-hmm. to work to fix that. I, I like um, how you emphasize like, like uh, working to fix it and like just essentially like, you know, like it's it, whatever these people are saying, it's like, it's bull crap. Essentially like we can fix what we, what we've done, like any mistakes we've made for global warning. We can fix that still. Mm-hmm. I like uh, how you emphasize that. Um, now, moving on from this topic uh do you ever see yourself maybe creating a book in the future for for like people to read or just like tell your story i would love to honestly there's a there's a lot of different things that i could go into for writing a book like some of my friends they like they said like i'm a pretty philosophical person yeah and they just enjoy hearing what i have to say so i'd love to provide that commentary and be able to if, if somebody can be inspired for by what i write i would love to be able to provide that platform for people it's just a matter of time Actually, um, you're gonna have to send me a copy when you write that book. Uh, I don't know how old I'll be, but yeah, I, I, I've, I have faith it's gonna be an awesome book if you ever write one. So I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely be sure to do so. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the book title, but there's a book called Forty Eight Laws of Power. Are you familiar with it at all? I've, I've heard of it. Um, I read a synopsis of it, but I've not actually read the book. Did you know that it's actually banned in some prisons in the United States? Yes, which is crazy. And I don't know what they teach because I haven't read the book myself. Essentially, one of the main things they talk about is influence and finding connections, mm-hmm. which is like a big thing that we, we kind of expanded on. Um, now, what what do you think, like, you know, being stuck in prison and like, like you said, that quote earlier, it's just like, oh, you have to find a way to live, even, even if you're like stuck in such a bad situation. What do you think like goes through these people's mind on a daily basis where it's like they have to like always move on and find something new for themselves, if that makes sense? So actually, that that, that is a... There's a lot of things that goes into that question, and you have to remember what what stress is, mm. and what stress does is it just it breaks your mind down at a molecular level. Yeah, and you you are diminished by your circumstances. Yeah. Somebody that's why um, middle class or wealthier people they are generally able to succeed more than poor people. It's not a matter of rich people being smarter or poor people being dumber. It's a matter of you didn't have to worry about putting food on a table. You didn't yeah. have to worry about um, your your father being um, just or dead or your mom not like being sickness, home. Yeah. Sickness, yeah, yeah, all that things that you don't have to worry about. They don't weigh on you, mm-hmm. and they don't destroy you psychologically. And there's a disproportionate amount of people from poor socioeconomic backgrounds in the prisons because of that system of oppression. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about trying to get people to understand what it means to rise above yourself. Mm. People don't, who hasn't, who haven't lived in that situation, they don't understand what it takes to overcome something like that. And we can throw self-help books at the prisoners. We can say, Oh, you can do this and this and this. But at the end of the day, it's the, it's our responsibility to make sure we can help them put, put them back, put them back on their feet and empower these the the voices of the disadvantaged back mm. into society so the people can continue to live and be happier with themselves and really makes society a better place i, I like that uh that you put into like you know you know you can we throw so much things at them but just like really based on what what they do as a person himself mm. and uh i like how you inform the uh, viewers about that um now uh kind of ending it off a little bit um 
for yourself and as a person, I want to know for, for our future, you know, we're, we're expanding a lot of like crypto, NFTs, DAOs, uh, a lot of these different blockchain networks. Do you see NFTs as like a potential future thing? And I'm not, I'm not too knowledgeable on the NFT space, but what are your opinions on it? So I've done, I've done a lot of work with blockchain technology before. I made my own cryptocurrency. I've oh, already wow. done some work with NFTs themselves. And I think the blockchain is a very powerful technology. And um, actually, some nations are using it to identify land grants. Mm. I think, like in Africa, especially, they don't have a really good way to um, communicate cartography okay. to farmers and stuff. So they yeah. they are using blockchain to secure that's really cool. areas for these people. It's like, oh, oh I have this blockchain. I, I have my like they they have NFTs. It's not mm-hmm. monkey pictures on Twitter, yeah. but it's 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 like a, it's a document or something that that represents that blockchain down mm-hmm. there. Yeah, that. So that makes sure, okay, you own this piece of land. You're allowed to be here. You're allowed to be there. Hmm. And it's that security that doesn't really exist with modern encryption. Yeah. That is definitely going to be very, very important coming into the future when we have more powerful computers. I did not know that, too. So that's, that's really cool to, like, be knowledgeable on just, like, how it, it, people think it's, like, oh, they're just JPEG pictures or, like, they're just, like, Pictures people make money and sell off for like scams and stuff, but no, there's more to it. Yes, and I like yes. how you're expanding beyond it. Now, there's a the block like blockchain itself is a it's a double edged sword because if you you're right, there's there's a there's a negative connotation right now going on about NFTs and it's like oh it's so stupid that you can make money off of this because people like you'll have influencers like with money who just like cop into it. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I it's it's really it's not in the spirit of what this market is for. What this is for is trying to create a new level of security in the digital age. Hmm. And things are actually going to change here. I would say within 15 years, we're going to have to completely restructure blockchain Hmm. because quantum computers can completely turn overturn the value of blockchain because they, the way the quantum computers work is that it uses super, I'm not going to try to explain the specifics, but basically they can, they can manipulate blockchain in a way that traditional computers can't. I did not know that. And we have to create, figure out a way to create a quantum blockchain mm. that works for them. Gotcha. And still protect um, traditional computing because that's not going to go away no matter how much development we put into this. Gotcha. So there's there's a lot of interesting problems to solve in the context of internet security and just like financial security in the future when mm-hmm. we have these advents. And I'm actually very happy that, that I'm going to be working on that during the summer. I'm be trying to build a affordable quantum computer with Jefferson Labs during a summer internship. Oh, wow. So it's going to be, I'm going to be learning a lot. That's that's really good. And I like how you mentioned that too, because like there's just so many things that like, you know, if I ever, if I ever meet you as a friend for the first time, I want to know what you do. Like you just have so many cool things in your pocket and just like you got to do. So I think that's really cool for yourself. and Awesome. Um, now for like, you know, you know how like meta headsets and like or not meta, but like VR headsets are getting really popularized now because of the metaverse and like what we're expanding on to teach in like this, like essentially online classroom. Do you do you see that as a big uh, thing, replacing things in the future? I don't. I I, I really don't. Um, I I don't like being a technological naysayer because I always love seeing different things. But I think the virtual, yeah. the virtual world is, it's it's exactly that. It's virtual. It's not, it's not you existing. It's just a, it's a, it's a really, it's a simulation and that's not yeah. what people are. People yeah. are built to be in this earth. We were yeah. made 
if you if if you if you're a Christian, you know that you 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 were made for this planet. Mm-hmm. If you're atheist, you know that you evolved from life to exist according to Earth's pressures, mm. and we're all here to exist in the reality that we have. We're not. We were never supposed to build in another reality for ourselves. Yeah, and I don't think that trying to push people into that environment large scale is going to be successful. If you want to take just quarantine as a immediate example of that, Mm -hmm. you want to see how badly people were hurt by the virtual environment. Oh yeah. Why are we trying to voluntarily put people in that? Mm. It's just, it's really detrimental to people's overall mental well being And I think just physical health too. Yeah. Um, now for the argument, uh, you know, considering that you know how people be like, um, you know, what if we're taking, like, let's say, for example, the the online space, right? And instead of, like, you know, having people just use it for, like, I don't know, video games, what if we, like, essentially, you know, not everyone can go to Cancun for something, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if we haven't put on a headset and maybe experience, like, uh, a, a simulated state of Cancun, do you think that could be useful in a way? Well, yeah, definitely. There is definitely positive things about virtual reality. I just, I do, I'm against trying to create a world to live in with virtual reality. Gotcha. Like you definitely having the opportunity to go places that you never would be able to go or learn things you didn't know. Like mm-hmm. you can have a seminar from somebody in Seattle and you're in, here in Virginia, you want to learn the same things. Great. Get on metaverse. That'd, yeah. that'd, that'd be fantastic. But it's just balance. the new reality. Yeah. Yes. Balance your world with the virtual, virtual world. world. Yeah. And I, I, I like, I didn't even really think of it like that because you know, once you, once you're like, just think of like your own, uh, like what what you what you want to find as a person and stuff. It's like once you hear someone else's like argument or like you know what they what they think of something. It's like oh like you're thinking of two different things. It's like I never thought of like you know the different reality point of it and just like it, there's really no use for it. Yeah, <laughs> essentially out of that context. But I, I like I like how you um, expanded on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to say thank you for joining me today on the interview. Um, I had an awesome time. We. we Talked about a lot of di- different controversial and like a l- lot of uh, breathtaking knowledgeable talk- topics. So I thank you for coming on. And um, yeah, and uh, this has been Walking the World with Zier. This has been Tristan. I'm going to leave all of his stuff in, his, uh, in the description below. And uh, I'll leave where you can um, find him. And uh, you have you also have a YouTube channel, right? For Yes, I do. I don't actually post on it very often because I, I don't have a lot of time. But mm-hmm. I'm look looking into the future. I'd like to continue to... I'd like to Expand onto it. Yes, exactly. Got you. So if you guys want to hear some of Tristan's pieces he has, um, you guys can check out his YouTube channel as well. Leave in the description. And uh, yeah, this has been Walking the World with Zier. And uh, we'll catch you guys later. Yep. Peace. See ya.